Hey everybody, welcome to your weekly sermon from Brad Tuttle Ministries. I am so glad that you decided to join me today uh, in here ministering uh, on this very frigid cold day here in North Texas. Uh, Snow is down, the roads are icy, but uh, thank God we're safe and we still have power. And in Jesus' name, we will keep power throughout this entire time in Jesus' name. We're going to talk about something today that is... uh, really on my heart. I think I've mentioned in the last few sermons, I've been reading a lot of books since the beginning of the year. I've really been motivated and instigated to really begin to, um, you know, investigate for myself and not just investigate, but really research and read about and about the persecuted church and persecution around the world. And it's it's amazing to see um, the stories that come out of these very hostile, restricted nations in regards to people's lives and how they make it through this and how they keep their faith and how they don't ever deny Christ. And it's very, very powerful. And one thing they always do, I mean, a numerous a, true accounts from different nations of the world, there's always a reference made to the verse that we're going to look at today. And uh, because these people actually live out basically the book of Acts, things that Paul and the, and the apostles went through as far as persecution, that's what they're living. Again, here in the West, we don't see any of that yet. I believe some of that is beginning to come here, so we better be ready. So this sermon could be uh, an instigation or a challenge or an encouragement to anybody out there who's a believer to prepare yourself for this and to be ready when it comes. So. We're going to title this, Will Be Persecuted, Will Be Persecuted. And we're going to be in the book of 2 Timothy, chapter 3. We're going to read verses 10 through 12, but we're going to focus on verse 12. So 2 Timothy 3, verses 10 through 12, focusing on verse 12. All right, so take some time, get there right now, find that. And once you're there, we will read it together. Are you ready? And this is the Apostle Paul speaking to this young pastor, Timothy, young man of God in the ministry. And Paul has been encouraging him throughout this entire book to be a man of courage. He said, God did not give you spirit of fear or cowardice, but one of love, power, and a sound mind, sound judgment, a mind that makes good decisions. Um, And he continues to encourage him to be strong in your faith. And he talks to him, we did talk about last week, where he talked to him about suffer hardships with me, that you're going to go through difficult times. But you need to last through these because what you're doing for the kingdom is vitally important. And he goes on in chapter 3, again in verses 10 through 12, and he says this to Timothy. Paul said, now you followed my teaching, conduct, purpose, faith, patience, love, perseverance. So he's now um, commending him on having followed Paul's instructions, uh, Paul's teachings, looking at Paul's conduct, um, he is commending him on the way that he kept the faith. He, he lived in patience. He watched Paul live these out, and he did. And then it says in verse 11, so now you follow my teaching, conduct, purpose, faith, patience, love, perseverance. Verse 11, persecutions and sufferings and sufferings, such as happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra. What persecutions I endured, and out of them all the Lord rescued me. He goes on to then tell Timothy, indeed, everybody out there say indeed, indeed, all who desire to live godly, let me me read it the way this version says it, 
Indeed, all who desire to live in a godly way in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. So you see a lot of the people overseas, when they're going through this, they, they, they have memorized this verse and they know this is part of being a Christian. Part of them coming to faith in Christ is they will be persecuted. So they see what they're going through as simply doing and going through what the Word of God says that they will in their life as a follower of Christ. Well, for us over here, we need to start grabbing a hold of this and looking at it. Now, nobody wants to go through persecution. But you think it's going to stay all the way over in the east? It's not going to come over here into this western world? It's not going to come over into our nation? Just look at what's going on in the government right now. Look at all the things. They're, going to, they're trying to take away religious freedom. They're trying to take away, literally squelch evangelism. I guarantee it's going to try to come to a point where you cannot share your faith with anybody or it's going to be, uh, uh, you'll break the law of some sort. Uh, it's going to come to that. That's what they're trying to do when they're trying to make the United States a communist nation. And that is the wiping out of anything or any traces of Christianity or anything that believes in God or anyone that tells other people about Jesus Christ. So we need to grab a hold of this verse and realize this. This is, this is a Bible promise. This may not be in all the Bible promises book that you read. We want to read all the things that promise us health, wealth, and prosperity. But this is a Bible promise. He's saying, indeed, all who desire to live in a godly way in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. And that word all means everyone without exception. All of those who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. So we shouldn't regard this resulting experience of persecution as anything peculiar in the life of someone who's really striving to live their life in a godly way. Look at what Jesus said in John 15, verses 18 through 21. Now, this does this will tell you straight out to your face how, what the world's going to think of you as a follower of Christ. Jesus said, if the world hates you, you know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. But because you are not of the world, remember we're in it, but we're not of it. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a slave is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will, also, they will keep yours also. But all these things they will do to you for my namesake, because they do not know the one who sent me. He went on to say in Matthew chapter 5, he, in the Sermon on the Mount, he says, there is a beatitude in store for those who suffered in his place. In Matthew 5, verses 10 through 12, Jesus said, Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness. That's the same thing as us saying those who desire to live a godly life in Christ will suffer persecution. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me rejoice and be glad for your reward in heaven is great for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you and when i was just reading this it came to me this whole thing about rejoice and be glad for your reward in heaven is great you see so many true accounts in these books that I read of these people that are terribly persecuted and suffer, tortured for the cause of Christ. They will, in the midst of that, rejoice and they will be glad because they know the reward in heaven is great. 
And that's, that, that is a reality to them. You know, we, we don't grasp that, but until that happens to you, that has become a reality to them. The Word of God becomes alive to them. Paul explained this to the saints at Philippi. He said in Philippians 1.29, To you it has been granted for Christ's sake, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake. Peter has a parallel, parallel exhortation um, in 1 Peter 4, 12-14. He said, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you, which comes upon you for your testing, as though some strange thing were happening to you, but to the degree that you share the sufferings of Christ, keep on rejoicing. So that also at the revelation of his glory, you may rejoice with exaltation. If you are reviled for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. Paul then in 1 Thessalonians 3 verses 2 and 3, he's encouraging the Thessalonians with words about this inevitable suffering and he reminds them this way, he said, We sent Timothy, our brother, and God's fellow worker in the gospel of Christ, to strengthen and encourage you as to your faith, so that no man may be disturbed by these afflictions. For you yourselves know that we have been destined for this, destined for persecution, destined to suffer for Christ. Again, you think it's not going to reach the United States? Absolutely, it will. And so we move on into the verses. It says, indeed, all who desire, that Greek word refers to a desire that comes from one's emotions and indicates an active decision of the will. You, desire, you are making an active decision in yourself, within yourself, to desire to live godly in Christ Jesus. So it goes on, the verb has this attached to it, that it's saying these men and women are continually desiring to pursue godliness. And it reflects as an active decision of their will. So notice that the word desire in the Greek, it's in the present tense, we call it. It indicates that this is not an occasional desire to choose to live godly, but a persistent passion, which manifests itself in their lifestyle. So again, we come to the verse, indeed, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus. In other words, those who are striving, those who are continually pursuing uh, a, a godly lifestyle, a persistent passion to live like Christ, to live in a godly manner, they will suffer persecution. They're not, they recognize they're not in a 100-meter in a dash. They're in a spiritual marathon. So Paul exhorts Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 7 through 10, he exhorts Timothy this way. He says, discipline, and that word in the Greek there, discipline, it's in the present imperative, we call it, and that's a command to make this his lifestyle. Discipline yourself. Make it your lifestyle. Discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. For bodily discipline is only of little profit, but godliness is profitable for all things since it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. It is a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance. Verse 10, for it is for this we labor and strive because we have fixed our hope on the living God, who is a savior of all men, especially of believers. So this pursuit of godly is costly now, but eternity will show it worth the cost of commitment. 
It's costly now, but you're going to see it was all worth it in the end. And that's what a lot of these people that are in these other nations that are being persecuted, even right now, even as the Olympics are going on, even in China and wherever, Laos and Afghanistan and North Korea and all over those nations over there, they are they understand that it's costing them something now, but they understand that one day they're going to see and know that it was worth the cost of the commitment. So if anyone proposes to introduce into his life this loyalty, which surpasses every other earthly loyalty, there will be clashes with this present evil age that loves self rather than the Savior. And that is precisely the loyalty that Christ demands of a disciple. That loyalty that surpasses all other earthly loyalties. So it's vital for every young Timothy to remember that persecution is an integral part of the godly life in Christ Jesus. That persecution is an integral part of the godly life in Christ Jesus. Otherwise, if we don't see it that way, when we encounter persecution, we might be thinking that we've done something wrong or we have failed the Lord or the Lord is displeased. Those that are overseas, and I'll use them as examples, that are going through great persecution and suffering are not being punished. It's not that they've made a mistake. It's because they have confessed Christ as their Savior, and this is the price of that commitment. They're seeing the price of the commitment in reality in their lives. Again, we haven't seen it yet here, but we will. One Bible commentator said, Scars are the price which every believer pays for his loyalty to Christ. Wow. So let's go on. Indeed, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus. Godly, it's a, it's, it means an attitude of reverence. And it's exhibited in the way that you act. It's exhibited in your actions. The Greek word that's used for godly means reverence or awe, awe, Reverence or awe that is well-directed. Awe, A-W-E. Reverence or awe that is well-directed. It's not just talking godly, but it is living godly. Living a godly life in Christ Jesus. The godly person lives a life that's characterized by this Godward attitude leading to actions that are well-pleasing to God. And, you know, there's not many believers uh, that are standing in line to claim this particular promise. But this promise is not one that most people ever want to experience. Again, I say those that are experiencing it now in the reality of it are happy and glad and rejoicing over it because they know, they know that Jesus is with them. And they know because they're dealing with this, that this is the cost of their commitment Christ. So if you if you have the slightest inclination to break ranks with the world and to walk in line behind Christ, to live godly, you're going to feel the heat of the world's rage again in its coming to America. If we find that we seldom, if ever, are being persecuted for our faith, then we must question ourselves are we genuinely living godly in Christ Jesus? Because the promise is those who live godly or who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. 
Persecuted, persecution and opposition ought to encourage us rather than discourage us. And that's, again, what you see in these nations of the world. They are encouraged by it because they know they're doing right in Christ because they're going through such terrible persecution. And I mean things that are, that you can only write, you can only, it's just demonic. It's the devil. And because of things they do to people in some of these nations that are, they're so horrific and some of these things go on on a daily basis, and they do it to women as well, and they do it to children uh, for naming the name of Christ. Persecution often does in this life what the last great day will do completely, and that is it separates the wheat from the tares. And believe me, along with the stories of those that have kept their faith, there's others that have given up their faith or renounced their faith. It separates the wheat from the tare. And it's the same thing that's going to happen here. When it comes, all these 40,000 seat churches, we don't know how many will be left. There might be 10 still sitting there if the church is even there anymore because it may be exposed for being a sham. But you're going to see people in Jesus' name. It's going to separate the wheat from the tares, those who are truly saved and those that are only professors. Amen. So that's a hard statement. That's a hard thing to say, but it is absolutely true. Remember, the Bible says that the road to eternal life is narrow and the road to destruction is wide. Not everybody sitting in a church service would be willing to suffer for Christ. Not everybody sitting in a church service would be willing to die for Christ. Persecution is like a goldsmith's hallmark on real silver and gold. It is one of the marks of a converted Man, persecution is one of the marks of a converted man. And realize that also that suffering for Christ is not only physical abuse, which is a lot of what you see over there, but along with what they do to him physically, they abuse them emotionally and mentally. But this can also include, and you're going to begin to see inklings of it here in, in America, this, this social ostracism and these verbal insults. But when that happens to you, look at Luke chapter 6, verse 22, says, Blessed are you when men hate you and ostracize you and cast insults at you and spurn your name as evil for the sake of the Son of Man. So it may not start in a way of physical persecution so much, but it may, it may come from social ostracism and from verbal insults by people, ostracizing those who are followers of Christ. They're putting into, trying to put into legislation bills right now that would hinder our ability to evangelize those who are not saved. So we go on to say, all, indeed, all who desire to live in a godly way in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. So this is the verse that's usually not compiled in the book of Bible promises. Again, that everybody, I have one, I have one on my desk. You know, I'll go to the topics on joy and peace and provision and comfort. And you have all these great Bible promises, but this one may not be in the list. Uh, because people just don't want to think about it, especially over here in the West. One person wrote, true possessors of Christ's indwelling life and empowering spirit are strengthened like moss attached to a tree. So that when the winds of adversity howl, the moss is blown closer to the tree. Persecution 
say a lot of times great revivals or th there's within these nations overseas where they may say there's a 1% evangelical Christians and the rest are either Muslim or Hindu or Buddhist or something of that nature, whichever nation you're in. But this persecution is, is, is resulting in more people coming to Christ. And it's interesting how the fire um, begins to purify things. And that is going to come here. And part of it is because it separates the wheat from the tares. And those who are the wheat really begin to press into what they've been called to do. And they start to reach out and evangelize and evangelize no matter what the cost is. And that's when you see more people coming to faith in Jesus Christ. One Bible commentator said, if anyone purposes to accept a set of standards quite different from the world's, he is bound to encounter trouble. If anyone proposes to introduce into his life a loyalty which surpasses all earthly loyalties, they are bound to be clashes. And that is precisely what Christianity demands that a man should do. John Calvin said persecutions are in a way seals of adoption to the children of God. Another person said persecution is one of the surest signs of the genuineness of our Christianity. So let's get to the word persecuted. Indeed, all who desire to live uh, in a godly way in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. That Greek word means literally to be hunted and then to be followed or pressed hard after, pursued with earnestness and diligence with repeated acts of enmity. The picture of this Greek verb is of a fox being chased and hunted by bloodhounds. Woo! Paul is reminding Timothy, as well as us, that persecutions and afflictions are required courses in Christ's school of discipleship. These are not electives. These are required courses, persecutions and afflictions. Opposition will come when we attempt to bring the light of Christ into a world that loves darkness. That's why they're so persecuted overseas for sharing their faith in Christ. If someone gets converted, that converted person, if they find out, they will arrest them. They will torture them to find out who shared, who shared Christ with you. Because to be someone who's going around and sharing Christ, you, are, you become an enemy of the state. And Jesus described this kind of thing where uh, the light of Christ uh, comes into the world and it exposes darkness because the world loves darkness. He talked to Nicodemus about this in that nighttime conversation in John 3, 19 and 20, where he says, this is the judgment that the light has come into the world and men love the darkness rather than the light for their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light and does not come to the light lest his deeds should be exposed. Persecution and suffering for the sake of Christ is a truth interwoven all through the New Testament in stark contrast to the scarcity of preaching on persecution from pulpits in pampered American Christianity. I preach this because I'm giving it to you as truth and I'm giving it to you as a warning to prepare. If you're truly a follower of Christ who's desiring to live godly in Jesus, prepare for persecution is coming because it's part of being a true believer. This is not preached a lot in pulpits. There's a scarcity 
of this type of preaching. People don't want to hear it. They don't want to be confronted with it. They don't want to be face to face with it. While people right now in other nations of the world are dealing with horrific situations in their lives because they have stood for the cause of Christ, we over here just don't want to hear about it. So what is Christian persecution? All the persecuted share an important characteristic. They suffer because of their faith. And literally, people are suffering. There's no crime they've committed. They're suffering for their faith in Christ. So while Christian persecution, and we understand there's the horrific aspect of it, and it takes many forms, though, it's defined as any hostility experienced as a result of, of identification with Jesus Christ. From Sudan to Afghanistan, from Nigeria to North Korea, from Colombia to India, followers of Christianity are targeted for their faith. They're attacked. They're discriminated against at work. They're discriminated against at school. They risk sexual violence, torture, arrest, and much more. In just the last year, there have been over 360 million Christians living in places where they experience high levels of persecution and discrimination. Just in the last year, 5,898 Christians have been killed for their faith that we know of, and it's probably many more than that. 5,110 churches and other Christian buildings have been attacked. 6,175 believers were detained without trial, arrested, sentenced, or imprisoned. 3,829 Christians have been abducted. And those numbers, they're heartbreaking. And when you read the stories, it's heartbreaking. I mean, when you read the story of a family who uh, Islamic radical people, extremists, have come into their village and taken all the young girls, kidnapped them and abducted them, and they're gone. And they're either going to forcibly rape them or make them marry uh, an older older guys and it's just just debauchery and depravity um it's heartbreaking um yet these don't tell all these statistics don't tell the whole story so when we pray with persecuted christians we're standing with them in solidarity and reminding them that they're not alone that's one of the other reasons i'm giving this sermon because i if, if, i'd love to be someone who who brings an awakening to people who don't understand any of this right now that it might make you want to begin someone to be someone who's going to begin to pray for them a pastor in Afghanistan gets a text message letting him know the Taliban knows he's a Christian and they're coming for him. That's happening right now. Out of the top 10 most violent countries against Christians, seven of those are in Africa. The most violent of these is, once again, Nigeria, where 4,600 believers were killed this past year alone, killed for their faith killed because they believe in Jesus, killed for that, murdered for that. That's an average of nearly 13 Christians every day, meaning Nigeria accounts for nearly 80% of Christian deaths worldwide. And some of this persecution may not be so overt, but some persecution is subtle coming in the form, again, here we talked about some, it may not be an all-out physical thing, but it may come in the form of rejection including being ignored, being patronized, being mocked, condescension. I've heard stories of children over in schools here in America, in public schools, 
who have tried to pray or have tried to talk about Jesus or have tried to share something of their faith, and they are ostracized, they are rejected, they are ignored, they are patronized, and they are mocked because of their belief in Christ. That's the kind of stuff that's coming here, and it's coming here, if not already, it's coming very soon. People will be mocked, ridiculed, made fun of, ostracized, and rejected because of their stance for Christ, just simply believing in Jesus. So tell me that this is not, at the very basis of all of it, this is not a spiritual warfare going on. The basis of all of this is spiritual warfare. It is demonic. It's it's the it's evil against good. It's evil against Christianity. It's evil against Christ. It's evil against God and anything that represents anything Christian-like or Christianity, God, Jesus, or anything that's going to be attempted to be snuffed out completely wiped out. When our will is dedicated to God, Satan's will is to demolish our resolve with persecution. Man. So in closing, Jesus declared in Matthew chapter 5 verse 10, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The word blessed here was a familiar term for Jesus's first century audience. So rather than a fleeting happiness dependent on current circumstances, the blessedness that Jesus spoke of is deep, abiding, unshakable joy rooted in the assurance of God's blessing, both in the present and in the future. Life in our Lord's kingdom is one of profound joy and inner well-being that no person and no circumstance can take away. And persons that are labeled blessed by Jesus represent a counterculture, exhibiting values not typically welcomed by people of the world at large. And all the Beatitudes demonstrate God's reversal of world values, but perhaps none so markedly as the eighth one, that one of being persecuted. Some people suffer for doing evil, but that is not, that, that's punishment, not persecution. Some are persecuted for reasons unrelated to righteousness. But Jesus wasn't offering a general blessing to all victims of persecution for any cause. He's offering to those only who were persecuted for actively pursuing the kingdom of righteousness and because of their faith in Jesus Christ. So Peter put it this way in 1 Peter 2.20, if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. So to endure persecution for the sake of righteousness requires uncompromising faithfulness to God despite every threat and pressure. In Luke chapter 9, verses 23 through 25, where he says, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self. Let me read this last story that I put down here kind of as an addendum. It's involved someone uh, who met a pastor who spent 20 years in a communist prison because he refused to quit preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. The author says, I met Samuel Lamb while visiting the church that gathered in his home in China. After two hours of worship in cramped conditions, our group of 10 American pastors was invited to talk with Pastor Lamb at length. 
I will never forget his response to one of our questions about persecution in the advance of the gospel. In America, he said, the church has experienced prosperity and is growing weaker. In China, the church has experienced persecution and is growing stronger. He ended with persecution is much better than prosperity. That's the way people are living their lives right now in nations around the world. They see persecution as a blessing and as a blessing from God. They feel favored to be one who is truly living out the Word of God, who's truly living out the New Testament, the New Testament book of Acts. They feel blessed to be someone who is suffering for the cause of Christ. We don't want to suffer over anything here. And we do not want this to come into our country. That's why we try to push it away. We try not to even think about it. But it's coming. And it's coming soon. And it's going to continue to come. And it's going to continue to advance. How will we deal with that? Are we going to be someone that says persecution is much better than prosperity? When everything we ever preach about over here is how to prosper and how to be blessed? Or are we going to be people that really understand the reality of this? We count it an honor to suffer for the cause of Christ. And that's where this is going to. And that's what's going to separate the wheat from the tares. So the wheat will rise up and say, I am blessed to be persecuted for the cause of Christ. While the tares will run from this persecution, saying, I don't want any part of this. I'd rather give up the name of Christ than to suffer through this. Because it's going to separate families. It's going to separate children from their parents. Because it's going to be so devastating that people have to make a decision of the reality of, am I going to stand for Christ Am I going to consider persecution better than prosperity? That's what's coming, and that's the decision that all of us, you and me, and all of us listening to this, are going to have to one day come to grips with and the decision we're going to have to make in our lives. Am I willing to die for Christ? Am I willing to suffer persecution for the sake of Christ? Amen. Let me pray over you tonight. Father, we just thank you for this opportunity to be in your presence. Lord, there's so much to this that as a human being, it's so hard for me in so many minutes, short minutes to give out this full picture of everything that I have learned about all the situations and the circumstances that people are going through in other nations of the world. But I pray, Lord God, in this short amount of time that we have been together, I pray this word would impact us and that we would all grab a hold of this. Those of us who truly desire to live godly in Christ Jesus, that we would understand that persecution is part of that. It's part of the promise. That's part of the package. That's part of it. To suffer for Christ. None of us want to deal with that, but we want to learn from the examples of those who have given their lives, who've been martyred for the cause of Christ in nations around the world who are suffering in prisons right now, who are suffering through terrible torment and torture and situations in their lives, we want to learn from their examples what it's like to keep the faith, to be strong in the midst of whatever comes against us, to never give up and to never give in, to never deny Christ as a Savior and Lord of our life. And Father, in Jesus' name, we will continue to evangelize. Even when the nation tells us not to do it, we're going to continue to do it for the case of, for the sake of Christ, that others might come to know Jesus as the Lord and Savior of their life. So, Father God, challenge all of us by your Spirit. Instigate all of us by your Spirit to, number one, be people who truly do desire to live godly in Christ Jesus, but then knowing that along with that, very well could come 
persecution and suffering in our own lives because we are identified with Jesus Christ. We thank you for this right now in Jesus' name. And we do pray before we go for all those that are imprisoned in nations around the world right now. We pray for our persecuted family. We pray they would feel cared for, they would feel prayed for, they would feel that people are lifting them up in prayer, that you would bring them good nutrition, Father God, you would protect them, you would, uh, Lord God, just be with them in the midst of their suffering. And it's so easy for us to pray, but we do pray that in the midst of their suffering, they would still hold on to their joy. And we thank you for their strength. And again, we thank you for their example to us. Bless them, Father God, and keep them. Let them know, Father God, the cost of what they're going through is going to be worth it all in the end. So we thank you for these sayings. We praise you for these sayings. In Jesus' name, and everybody said together, amen and amen. Well, God bless you. Thank you for joining me today. Stand for Christ. Desire to be someone who wants to live godly in Christ Jesus. Amen. God bless you.